And we say, no, the nearest Walmart to our customers is the is the one in their pocket. It's the app. Um, and everyone always says, huh, okay, so when you think about that app as a store, as the closest store, it's also the biggest store. Excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. These are the values the Sam and Walton College of Business explores in education, business, and the lives of people we meet every day. I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College, and welcome to the Be Epic Podcast. I have with me today Tom Ward, who is EVP and Chief E-Commerce Officer of Walmart US. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, you bet. Thanks for having us on. Tom, you're Chief E-Commerce Officer of Walmart US. That sounds like a really interesting title. What do you do in that role? Uh, well, it's a great question, Matt. We, 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 we have a really simple task, which is how do we bring together our physical and digital assets in a way that helps customers save time and money and ultimately you know, live better? So, so my role really is to make sure that all the omni-channel capabilities that we've built over the last few years um, connect really well to our digital store and can be fulfilled through our physical footprint in a way that makes sense for customers. Tom, you've had an amazing career. <clears throat> you've been SVP of Last Mile In-Home AV, EV, and Drones, and you've been SVP of Customer Product. And before I go further on your experience, when people hear Customer Product, many of them think that that's talking about um, just products like that are on the shelves. What does product mean at Walmart? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And I, and I think it's uh, it's really common. In fact, I remember getting that role, um, Matt, and it was kind of interesting. People like, oh, products like buying things, right? To your point and uh, and selection. But in reality, product and product management is is uh, it's kind of a skill and a way of working in, in, in business. And it's about solving problems. I think if I boil it down to its simplest terms, you know, product management is problem solving. Um, and you can't do anything on your own in Walmart. And I think that's probably true of everywhere. And so we use a four in the box framework for product management that includes a business leader that brings a problem, a product manager that um, helps them business understand what that problem is and how they might solve it a technology leader that might build that solution and a designer that helps bring the solution to life in a way that makes sense for the end user. And that might be a an internal or an, an external customer. And so when you use the four in a box and use product management, um, there's a really cool saying that we, we, we like to share at Walmart, which is to fall in love with the problem and not the solution. And then, And what that does is it opens up the mind to say, if you're trying to solve somebody's problem, everything's on the table. If you wed to a solution, you tend to start reinforcing that same solution and you you iterate on the same solution or you defend the same solution. And that might not be right. It might have been right once, but it might not be right, you know, going forward. And so um, falling in love with problems and not solutions and working with a four in a box are kind of the key tenants to, to product management. Very succinct. Um, thank you. For students listening, we have something called the McMillan Innovation Studio, where companies bring problems to the students and they work in cross-functional teams um, to solve the problems. And um, 
they focus a lot on the problems. They interview lots of customers. They <clears throat> do something called empathy mapping, customer empathy mapping. They learn how to use agile and other techniques. Um, I but uh, the students that have come out of there, I know you all have hired a number of students that have come through that that program. But we're always trying to improve the degree to which we're incorporating product. Uh, I remember Doug McMillan several years ago, before we started the McMillan Innovation Studio, asked us to ramp that capability up. And we've been um, trying to ramp it further and further every year. Uh, it, it is interesting, this idea of falling in love with the problem. And I think about some of the greatest inventors and scientists in history, they clearly had fallen in love with the problem because they tried so many empirical methods of, and they had lots of failures in trying to find uh, the solution. When you look at that four in the box, I've not heard that before. <clears throat> Maybe our studio has, I mean, I don't teach the studio, but which of those do you feel is the most challenging to incorporate in the in the the group in solving the problem? I mean, I think I think it's a framework for approaching um approaching the product way of working and um the hardest part I often see Matt is is getting a really good problem statement. And tends to be the problem statement is owned by the the business uh, because they're the ones obviously running the the uh, the function or the the area that's that's under question. And so business leaders tend to say, "Here's the thing that I need you to go build me," and that's a solution, not a problem. And it sounds really simple to say, "Well, just tell us what you're trying to solve." And folks will say, well, I'm trying to do this one thing and it's going to connect to this and I need it to do that. And it's really hard for business leaders to zoom out and stand back to say, what's the actual problem that you're trying to solve? The problem statement is the most important part. And then once you've got that problem statement clarified, let the product team, then the technology team and the engineering partners and designers bring the business, working alongside the business, different solutions that they might not have arrived at had they just gone down a path that was more specific. So it sounds really simple, but the hardest part is defining the problem statement. And once you've defined it, we tend to find that the solutions can come in all different shapes and sizes and might be much more involved than, than was once thought. Yeah, because some solutions <clears throat> may te technically be feasible. But when it comes to, for example, getting store associates to roll it out, it might be challenging because of the tenure of uh, store associates or um, the uh, experience. Um, do you have to take those kinds of things into account when evaluating solutions? Yeah, I think I think the way that I would think about it is, you know, the best solutions, you mentioned different innovators and different technologies across the, the industry and the landscape, Matt, the best solutions to problems don't need any training. They're intuitive, right? They, they, the heuristics of the solution is so clear and so obvious that the user can't help but succeed. And so if you remove friction from people's lives, whether they're customers or whether they're associates, you're going to make their lives better. You're going to improve the task. You're going to help them 
solve the problem that was part of your statement. But doing so means that it should be intuitive. It should make sense. It shouldn't need an instruction manual um, and it should flow and it should be easier to get the solution right than wrong. Um, these are the kind of things that as you're working through a design in a four in a box as a, as a product leader that you that you think about uh, because they're what you see in your everyday lives. If you start solutioning, then you tend to start to explain how to use the, the solution that you're proposing. And then you run up against this opportunity, which is how do you do that on a grand scale? How do you do it quickly and how do you make it sustainable? whether your first day in Walmart or whether you've been here for 20 or 30 years, we want these things to be just as intuitive and just as straightforward for everyone. When did you first start getting interested in product management product? I mean, I think we, we sort of shifted our ways of working. Mm -hmm. So we might have thought through a project lens once upon a time, uh, but product management is about customer and associate solutions. And so as we're building an omni-channel business, it involves bringing together lots of different things. You know, we have an e-commerce business that ships things to home. We have a store business, obviously, in our neighborhood markets and our super centers. But we have lots of solutions that connect those two things together. And that requires an understanding of the mission a customer's on. And that leads you to a, a product mindset in order to to meet those challenges. This reminds me, as you've been talking, I'm um, a bit older than you, and I I came out of the quality management area uh, a long time ago. And <clears throat> it reminds me of, there's a concept called pokoyo that is a Japanese concept, and it means idiot proof. <clears throat> um, and basically it's like in manufacturing, you know, a jig, there may be a million ways to put a jig on, but if you could make it only one way to go on, then you don't have to worry about it being done um, improperly. And there's the seven whys where you say, the problem is this. Why is this a problem? Why, 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 why? You know, they say if you get down to the seventh why, you're starting to understand the problem a little bit better. Uh, but it forces you to think through it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's that point. And and maybe it's seven wise or other reasons, but that's why the you know it's definitely the the hardest thing in product management is defining a clear problem statement. So uh, Tom, you're on the board of Walmax, which is uh, Walmart Mexico. Is that correct? Yes, it's it's publicly traded in in Mexico. Yes. So, so, I, so I'm a board member. I get to you know take part in those those meetings and, and help that team think through what what makes sense for the for their business. I'm on some boards and many boards don't have people with product experience like you do. I could just see how having you on a board might be really helpful in part because of your product uh, expertise. Um, are you able to use that in the board setting? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, product product mindset is probably the the best way of thinking about it, Matt. You know, it's it's helpful to have a product mindset, but really, when you say that, what you're talking about is a you, you're looking to solve problems. So I like to I like to simplify it a little bit, and I think if we if we help grow and develop talent, you know, in our teams that are looking at where are the pain points for customers and where are the pain points for associates, and often in retail, those things tend to be very common. Um, there's obviously lots of nuances, but there's generally speaking, folks are trying to 
you know feed themselves they're trying to get access to items that they need and and they want services alongside those items and uh you know they want to access them seamlessly depending on what kind of day they're having and where they are you know in their life cycle those things are pretty common and so if you focus on problem solving that tends to lead you to a you know a product ways of working that you can help build really effective solutions tom i'd, I'd like to switch gears just a little bit here um, it would be great if you could talk a little bit uh, about the third party marketplace and, you know, if you wouldn't mind explaining it a little bit to to uh, the audience, that'd be great. But also talk about progress you've made in, ter in terms of maybe assortment, onboarding sellers, advertising, order fulfillment with Walmart Connect, Walmart Fulfillment Services, uh, et cetera. That'd be great. Yeah, sure. So, so maybe we talk about you know our assortment and and e-commerce. So, we like to have uh, fun with people when we say, "Where's the nearest Walmart?" Um, and customers always say, especially around here, you know, my Northwest Arkansas, people will say, "Oh, I know where it is. It's right down here. It's on the left here." And then you, you know, you turn right and it's there. And and we say, "No, the nearest Walmart to our customers is the is the one in their pocket. It's the app." Um. And everyone always says, huh, OK, so when you think about that app as a store, as the closest store, it's also the biggest store. Um, and I don't have the the same physical constraints that I had when I was a store manager where there's a limit to how many things you can put on the shelves because, you know, the shelves have a have a physical end, whereas online they don't. Um, you know, you can house all the items that a customer could could want to find in a in a shelf that that's never ending. And that's really where the distinction between owned inventory, owned merchandise that we, you know, we buy, we have merchant teams buying for our shelves and for our fulfillment centers. And then we have a marketplace, which is an open space that we can bring sellers that want to put their item in front of customers. And they can use the the traffic that we have coming through Walmart to help grow their business. And it's great for customers because it means they get access to tens of millions of items that they need when when they search for them. Uh, but it comes with a couple of really important points, which is when you open the search bar in the Walmart experience, the search bar is working on behalf mm -hmm. of the customer. So the search bar wants to do the best job of returning the most relevant item to the customer, depending on what it is they look for. And sometimes that's a really generic term and sometimes it's really specific. Um, so as we grow our marketplace and we have these millions of items in these endless aisles, the likelihood that we can solve a customer's problem when they challenge us in that search bar grows and grows. And that builds trust with our customers. And it means that, you know, when they're looking to solve something, whether it's a you know, perishable grocery order in 60 minutes through Express, whether it's a, you know, a Christmas item that they need to pick up curbside at a store, or maybe it's a really specific item for a, a car or, you know, a crafting request that we carry in our marketplace and we can deliver that to them, you know, a couple of days later. The, the Walmart app, the closest store, starts to become this all-in-one solution for our customers. Um, and the marketplace plays a really big role in that. Tom, this is a, a relatively, I mean, Walmart's been e-commerce for a long time, but still it's a big uh, philosophical shift, you know, um, 
from focusing just on brick and mortar uh, stores. And of course, I know I know Walmart's made a huge amount of progress, but I would think that change management is a key part of your job as well um, to to drive these changes. Is that right? Yeah, I think. Look, the you know we've got this incredible legacy, haven't we? Of the you know sixty years plus of of being this solution for customers, and I think the the way our assets come together is evolving, and the and the expectations that customers have are evolving even faster. Um, there's a great saying, Matt, which is loyalty in retail is the absence of something better, and if you think about that. What it means is that the customer's last best experience is their new expectation. You know, once people came to stores, then they pick things up. Now they want them delivered. The reality is customers want choice and, and we want to help activate that choice. And so the way you do that is you bring the footprint together in a way that hides all of the plumbing, that hides all of the the connection points that live behind the scenes and present in a way that is seamless to the customer. So customers love shopping in our super centers, you know, especially at this time of year and seasonal times of year, Matt, there's nowhere better to walk in and, you know, see everything that we've got going on. They love our neighborhood markets because they're really convenient. They love our pickup business because if they don't have time to go inside, they can swing by and pick things up curbside, you know, increasingly, especially during the pandemic, delivery played a really important role. Um, People want speed. So we built propositions like express delivery to help meet those customer needs you know especially if you've forgotten something it's a great solution and then we have really cutting edge technologies that we're experimenting with too like drone delivery and autonomous vehicle delivery that you know really start to bend people's expectations of what they can get and in what time frame Um, but when you add all that together you've got this seamless connection between our physical store and our digital store and so from a change management perspective, you know, the role that our store managers play today has evolved. When I was a store manager, all the customers that that we served came through our front door and they stood right in front of you and you could see them. You know, the majority of, of customers obviously come to our store still, but increasingly they're also coming to our digital store and the store managers fulfilling that order, you know, online. They're dispensing through the curbside, through the front door. They're loading packages into drones in this local area, for example. Um, and it's really changing the the way that people see the role. Um, and it's really transforming the way customers experience Walmart. How is Walmart listening to customers and responding to improve the shopping experience? Yeah, we, we spend a lot of time looking at customers' feedback and you know, the great thing about Walmart is we, we have so many transactions. We see so many customers in so many channels uh, that we can help present the opportunity for customers to share what's important to them. You know, Matt, maybe I'll point at one example during the, the pandemic because it's a good one, which was, you know, who'd have thought that the best way to receive a delivery would be contactless, right? Leave it on my doorstep and uh, I'll come and get it when I'm when I'm ready. Um, but almost overnight, that became an expectation from customers. They told us they don't want to interact with people. They didn't want to pull up curbside and sign a, you know, an electronic keypad. They wanted the associate to do it for them because they didn't want to roll their windows down. And we wanted to keep our associates safe, too. And so when you focus on the problem that needed to be solved, which was how do you receive items that you bought online, whether it's curbside or whether it's on the doorstep, contactless, 
that's a perfect problem statement for a team to go away and solve. And we did that really fast. And so we'll take cues from customers. We'll understand the way they receive and experience. And, and if customers tell us they like what they see, then we're probably going to do a lot more of it and we'll keep iterating on it. And if customers say, hey, this makes things challenging for me, then that becomes the, the problem statement that we put back into that four in a box and back into that product way of working. So, Tom, uh, one thing that um, I've been told that you have worked a lot on is simplifying shopping. You know, um, looking at how Walmart is making the shopping experience fast, seamless, personalized, no matter who the customers or uh, no matter how the customers or members uh, choose to shop. How have you gone about leading this simplification? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, simplification involves removing friction. So, you know, I think about our journey, um, Matt, we once had two apps. We had an orange app that was our, what we used to call our online grocery pickup app. And then we had a blue app that was the, the gateway to walmart.com. Uh, and just over a year ago, we said, we should bring these experiences together because what we were doing was we were we were kind of showing our organizational structure to our customers we were saying hey if you want to shop with this orange team then you can buy groceries and consumables and you can pull up curbside at one of our stores and we'll bring those out to you but if you wanted to buy something from our marketplace and have it delivered to your home then you had to go through the blue doorway um, and you work with this blue app team and we'd ship that to you in a in a box and, and it felt disconnected. Um, it didn't feel simple to the customer because the ultimate convenience for Walmart is that you could buy bread, milk, eggs and a really obscure long tail collectible item from our marketplace. And you could do it all in one transaction and we should bring it to you either all at once or, you know, within one series of deliveries and, and that wasn't the way we were showing up and so we decided to bring those two experiences together and that's a good example of how we're focused on removing friction and simplifying the experience and that reveals lots of other things that we then need to go and work on that continues to refine that simplification and remove that friction okay tom um what are you looking for and you know there's there's probably people out there, students and, and alumni and various people that would like to move in this direction um, in their career. What do you and your team look for in people? Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. I think, look, first thing I'm going to say is that Walmart is a fantastic place to, to have this kind of career. You know, we, you listed off a couple of roles I've been fortunate to have here. And I started life running, running stores and in the UK and then spent time in international and I, I got to work in different areas there, including strategy. And then I got to work on our training academies and simplification for stores and then our online pickup business and our product organization through to this role um, in overall e-com. So, so I'm always going to be a, a huge advocate for the kind of breadth of opportunity that, that Walmart can present to, to, to somebody. But I think if you think what's consistent across all those roles, and what makes the difference for folks that we interview people are going to have different qualifications and different skills but the the thing that stands out to me is always the curiosity because i think if you're going to solve problems not just the problems that customers and 
associates face today, but ones they're going to face tomorrow. And if you're going to understand that you've got to see past solutioning to find that pure problem statement, to remove friction and to to get on to the next thing, you've got to start from a place of curiosity. Um, so it's really important for us as we meet people to think through the breadth of interest they have, the way that they look through you know, different lenses to view the world, because that tends to land you in a place that you might not have expected. Um, and it brings together a, a really great solution for customers and associates. So that, that for me is a really important quality. Well, Tom, uh, congratulations on your amazing career and um, the tremendous accomplishments and work you're doing at Walmart. It's really impressive. And I know you're very busy, so it's very generous of you to take time to, to visit with us. Thank you. No, thank you. Thanks for the kind words, man, and really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you. On behalf of the Sam and Walton College of Business, I want to thank everyone for spending time with us for another engaging conversation. You can subscribe by going to your favorite podcast service and searching Be Epic, B-E-E-P-I-C.